Welcome to the New Vision Church podcast. New Vision Church is a diverse, Bible-teaching, Jesus-centered church in San Diego, California, and exists to transform people and their communities by replicating followers of the biblical Jesus. Thanks for joining us today. Now here's this week's sermon. Good morning. Hey, great. Hey, just a quick thing. My wife just spoke into my ear. So that Francis Chan study is for the women, but for those who have the, the rights to uh, Right Now Media, it's actually the studies on there, so you can also do that. If you don't have access to that, we can give you that. We purchased a online study uh, for you guys for free. Um, we give that to the body, and they, it has a bunch of Bible studies from all the just top teachers on there. It's a great resource for your growth, and if you don't have that, we can provide that. But that study is also online if you want to be a part of, of that. Um, hey, guys, they came last night. We had a great time last night at the men's ministry last night. Great blessing to be there. Enjoyed the time. Um, if you didn't come, we want to invite you. We do it every uh, couple of months at dinner and everything, so we'll invite you next time you can come out. Hey, we've been going through the Gospel of John, so if you have your Bibles, open up to John chapter 11. John chapter 11. We're going to continue our study on a sermon series called Believe. Uh, looking at that this morning as we're continuing journeying through this. I hope, I, I hope you've been enjoying this study, this sermon series through the Gospel of John. It's been a blessing just to, to study through it for myself, and so we're, we're excited. In John chapter 11, verses 1 through 16, we're going to look at that this morning. My sermon title is, a, is called A Response to Bad News, Our Response to Bad News, right? And we're going to look at that this morning. Um, this is a miracle in John chapter 11. This is a miracle we're going to study over the first uh, few weeks, and it's, a, it's a really a sneak preview of the power of Jesus, is what it is. We get, you know, when we go to movies, we get sneak previews of, uh, about what's to come. But that sneak preview is not the main event. It's only a glimpse of what is to come. And the purpose of Lazarus' resurrection is twofold, as we're going to begin to look at this story this morning. One, to build the believer's faith. And two, to reveal the deity of Jesus or his messiahship. You're going to see that in the story this morning. And Jesus' main event is only a few months away by this time as we get into the scriptures. We know that his death, burial, and resurrection is, is coming. And so Jesus is only preparing for himself for this. And that's why he's in the Jordan. That's why he left Jerusalem and came into the Jordan. But eventually he's going to head through Bethany as he heads toward Jerusalem. You know, there's something about sickness that, that makes people more open to the gospel. In fact, in the span of Jesus' ministry, he did many miracles. And all four gospels write about those many miracles. And the purpose of the miracles were done that people might believe in who he is. Uh, we know in Jesus' ministry, he raised up three people from the dead. We know that he raised up Jairus' daughter the man who was the ruler of the synagogue. We know that he raised up the son of the widow of Nain because that was her only son. And then we have this story, Lazarus' story, where he raises him from the dead, all for the purpose that people might believe upon him. These were all sneak previews of what is to come. All of this is leading up to Jesus' final week of his life, the Passion Week, the Passover Week, what we call Easter. 
Chapter 10, we studied that. Chapter 10 closes with Jesus returning to the Jordan River where, remember, he's coming off being harassed by the religious leaders in Jerusalem. And they picked up stones and they wanted to kill him, but he was able to escape. And now we find him back at the beginning, back at the place where John the Baptist said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. You've seen a full circle in the ministry of Jesus. He started at the Jordan. He's going out. He's being introduced to who he is. We see his incarnation. We see his introduction. Now we see his, the aggression coming against him. That's where we're going, and the aggression continues. And so now he takes a little retreat into the Jordan, to get ready for his final week. But along the way, he's going to be able to do this mighty miracles and be able to give a message to his disciples as he instructs them. As we see his intercessory prayers, we see that in John 17. He's moving toward Jerusalem. He's going to the cross. And it's here at the Jordan that he hears the bad news of his dear friend. Let's read John 11, verses 1 through 16. Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sister sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, the sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, lately the Jews sought to stone you. Are you going there again? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of the world. But if one walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. These things he said, and after that he said to them, our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. Then his disciples said, Lord, if, if he sleeps, will he, get, will he get well? However, Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought he was speaking about taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I'm glad for your sake that I was not there, that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. Then Thomas, who is called the twin, said to the fellow disciples, let us go that we may die with him. Father heaven, we just pray this morning for the teaching of your word. We pray this morning that your Holy Spirit is moving already as we've worshiped you, as we entered into your presence. Now, Father, we want to present the word the sanctifying of the word, the, the, Lord, the, the washing of the word on your people. I pray this morning as we read through it and we study and we hear, Father, give us ears to hear and a mind to receive and a mind to understand. Father, speak to us this morning on how we respond to bad news, how to respond to the things we hear every day. Lord, teach us this morning, for you're our chief shepherd. May the Holy Spirit speak in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. 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 There are three things I think that we're going to look at this morning in response to the things that we hear in the bad news. The first one is our response first and always is prayer. Our response first and always is prayer. You're going to see that in, in John 11 verses 1 through 13. I, I got a call uh, this week from a, 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 a young lady who 
to my surprise, I didn't know this, has been watching our church online. For all those who are online, welcome. And she called and she called and said, Pastor, would you be willing to come because my mom is in the hospital. She is in, in the ER room, in the IC room, and, and that she's really sick. They don't think that she's going to make it. Now, I had never met her before, and, and so I said, I called her, we talked, she told me what was going on, and uh, she was there, and I said, okay, I'll be there in the morning, and she goes, yeah, yeah, it'll be great, so I met her early on a Wednesday morning, went over to, to Zion over here, and, and went, and she was just like, thank you for coming, and wow, that was quick, and I just talked to her the night before, and, 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 and so we go into the room, and she, what she wanted to do was me to, to pray for her mom. And she heard the news that her mom is sick, and they're saying she may not make it. She was on a breathing machine. But what I saw in her was such life in the daughter. She was so excited about Jesus. She was so excited. I know if we just pray over my mom and, and see what God did. And so her mom was there who, who could respond a little bit, but, but was still kind of in and out. So we, I said, let's pray. Her sister was there. She was there. And just such life was there. Just the presence of the Spirit was in that room. And so I remember we're laying hands and we're praying over her. And I said, in Jesus' name, amen. And the mom says, amen. You know, there's a, there's a response we can have when we hear that somebody's sick. We can be stressed, worried, and try to take things our own. Or we can go, first of all, to the Lord in prayer. And that was her first response when her mom went to the hospital. Was, we need to pray. Even when the prognosis doesn't look good. But I saw the spirit in this family of the Lord. We're reading about a story of the news of somebody who's ill. And we're reading about a story of the family members facing this illness unto death. We see that in verses 1 and 2. Now a certain man was sick, it says, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Mark. It was that Mary was anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. The place they're talking about is a place called Bethany. That's the location where the story is going to take place. Bethany is a very significant place. It's near the Mount of Olives. It's two miles east of Jerusalem. Bethany was a place that Jesus would often come and stay with his family as he traveled into Jerusalem. Bethany is the same place where Jesus would ascend into heaven after his resurrection. We read that in Luke 24. In fact, this is the same place where Mary washes Jesus' feet with oil at Simon's house. We're going to get into that story in chapter 12. In fact, Bethany is the place where Jesus performed his seventh sign, the resurrection of Lazarus. Jesus comes to place because Lazarus and Mary and Martha were dear friends and beloved friends of Jesus. They're a family a brother and two sisters. We, we don't know a lot about Lazarus. This is the only story we really have of Lazarus, but we have other stories of Mary and Martha sometimes. But I love that it says that, that Mary is the one that anointed Jesus' feet with oil. Why did they, John seemed to write that? Because there are a lot of Marys in the scriptures. He wanted you to understand what Mary this was. We know that there's Mary, the mother of Jesus. We know there's Mary Magdalene. We know there's Mary Cleophas. And then there's Mary 
the sister of Lazarus. John wanted us to know what Mary was specifically speaking about here. But it says this in the passage that Bethany was the town of Mary and Martha. That's a very significant phrase there. We read that same phrase early in the Gospel of John. In, in John chapter 1, verse 44, it said Beth Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. You know what that tells me? Is that town knew Mary and Martha. That that town was owned by Mary and Martha. That when you came into Bethany or you came into Bethsaida, you could know, do you know Peter and Andrew? Do you know Mary and Martha? Because they had such influence in that city, in that town. They were known by that town. They had a great reputation in the town. They had great influence, right? I think of Martha was the busy one. You'll read that in 12. And Mary was the one that you often see at biting at Jesus' feet and resting and sitting at the feet of Jesus. But I'm hoping that we as a community, as a church, would say the same thing in our neighborhoods. Do you know City Heights? Do you know New Vision? Do you know Encanto? Do you know New Vision? That we would be recognized in our own city as a community. It was very interesting. Last week we did the community fest and, and it was a great turnout. We got to do a lot of ministry while it got around the city what had happened and people began to hear the ministry we were doing. And so as we were doing that and hitting reports, in fact, the, the directors were talking to the other directors of all the different parks that we've done ministry in. And so Pastor Sean went over to set up our, our uh, Hope Toy Drive ministry we'll do in December. And they came to him and said, Pastor Sean, we, we heard about what you guys did it out in Encanto. It was amazing. We heard there's thousands of people there. Can we join you for your Christmas outreach as a, as a community. Can we join you in helping put this on? Like, we'll bring snow, we'll bring more gifts, we'll bring more, more of these things. And, and so we're like, well, yeah, we'd love to, but I want you to understand something, that we are a gospel-centered church. That means, are you okay when we preach the gospel? Because it's one thing to say, I want to join you. It's another thing to say, we got to stay on mission. Right? And so what happens is they say, okay, well, we're, we're, let me just check. So they checked with their head director, say, hey, we want to join them, but, you know, they're going to talk about Jesus at this place. And the director says, if New Vision's putting on, we'll be a part of it, no matter if they preach the gospel. See, I want our name as a community, as brothers and sisters say, we know New Vision, we know that church, we know those people. And so we could have influence our city as as a corporate body. But guys, we can also have influential in our city as individuals because he, he says, here Mary and Martha. They, he, Jesus mentions them by name that these women had influence in Bethany. If you've been in this city and City Heights for a period of time, there's a, there's a school, a middle school named Monroe Clark on Fairmont Avenue. If you don't know who Monroe Clark is, I know him because I, I met him many, many years ago. It's actually Monroe Bookie Clark is what they called him. Now, Bookie wasn't that he was a loan shark. That's not why he got his name Bookie. Bookie was that he actually loved reading books and that he grew up in City Heights. He went to Hoover High School, ended up going to USC, ended up getting a business degree, became a very wealthy businessman, and then came back into the urban neighborhood and invested in sports and educations into our community. 
that this one man had such influence that I met him many, many years ago when we began to do an outreach called Midnight Basketball in the streets and him and his foundation funded us to get that program off the ground because it was a sports and educational program. I remember sitting in his car talking with him about what we were doing and what we wanted to accomplish. Because that man's influence, he got a school named after him. So we as a community can have great influence, but we as individuals can have great influence in our own communities. But in the story, Jesus received some news about his beloved friend that was sick. Look at verse 3. He says, therefore, the sisters, plural, sent him saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. In some ways, what Mary and Martha do is they're laying a prayer request before Jesus. They're letting Jesus know what's going on. They're letting Jesus know what's happening. In fact, the word Lazarus means Eliezer or whom God helps. The sisters knew that. They knew who to go to in their time of need. They knew who to go to who could help. And so they let their requests be known to God because Jesus and Lazarus, right, they had this intimate friendship. It says they even acknowledged that this one sick whom, it says, whom you loved, Right? Jesus loved Lazarus. Jesus loved Mary. Jesus loved Martha. In fact, that word love in the Greek is phileo love, which means brotherly love. We have a, it comes from the word Philadelphia or the city of Philadelphia, which is the city of brotherly love. I, we're writing to you because we know, Jesus, that you loved Lazarus. I love this about Mary's prayer. She just let the request and the situation be known. Never did she demand that Jesus come do something. You know, oftentimes in our prayer, what do you do? Hey, God, you know, I'm in this situation, so if you just do this or this or this, and you start telling God what you want and what he should do. God's ways are higher than our ways, right? His ways are different than our ways. And oftentimes, we just kind of give God a list of things, and we tell him what we need, and it's a shopping list. And if you do this, then I'll do this. And we don't make our prayer relational. We make it transactional. But that's not what God wants. So Mary and Martha, they send this message, and it's a, it's a prayer message, just letting Jesus know what's going on. I think that... Mary and Martha knew the story of the centurion who had a servant that was sick. And he sends people out and he says, I just want to let you know my, my servant is sick. And Jesus says, okay, I, I'm, I'm ready to go. I'll go and heal. And, and this, they're saying, no. And the servant said, no, I'm not even worthy that you would come. But he says this, only say the word and your servant shall be healed. That that. That that man knew the power of Jesus. We sang about the power of Jesus in our homes, in our communities, in our streets. That he says, I could be at a distance, say the word, and my servant in another house can be healed. He goes, man, your faith, your faith save you. Jesus begins to address that with the centurion. Many of you remember Patches. Patches attended here. Patches was an individual that lived in the park him and Mark, and they're part of our family. We, he no longer does that, but he, we got housing for many years ago. But he had been battling cancer. And because he had been battling cancer, it was up and down. Well, this last week, Patches ended up 
in the hospital. He had like the stroke. They had these things. He's in there. Pastor Bren and Mike and a lot of pastors have been visiting with him. They won't let much people go in to there. And in fact, he was in there and he wasn't even conscious. They had him in tube and we didn't even know if he was even going to make it. And so the saints begin to, to pray for him. They're saying, I don't know, man, it's close. We think he might go be with Jesus. And, but for whatever reason, he came back alive. He, he brought life back. And he, they took him off the things. They took him out. And, and he's talking. And he's, he's, he's like, wow, Jesus. And then what he says is, God, God might not just be done with me yet. I, I got to get busy because obviously he's, he's brought me back to when I was in a gun. He's alert. He's talking. And then so I told Pastor uh, Brandon. And then I said, go tell Patches that this is the ministry for him while he's in the hospital is that I need him to pray for the saints in the ministry of New Vision. That in his bed and in his weakness and in those things, that his ministry right now is a ministry of prayer. That from your bed, just like the city, only say the word and your servant shall be healed. That is your ministry because we don't know what God's doing. He's still in hospital, still in there, but he has, you have enough energy to talk. You have enough energy to pray. And that is your ministry. That is what you're called to do. So prayer is our first response. Prayer is our first response. Here's our second response is to activate our faith when we hear bad news. We see that in John 11, 4 through 11. Listen, our faith doesn't exempt us from trials and sickness, right? Job would have understood that well. Lazarus and Mary and Martha have a loving relationship with Jesus, and yet Lazarus will experience pain, sickness, and death. In fact, we could read in, 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 in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that Paul even had a sickness and that he asked the Lord three times to remove it. And he said, no, my grace is, in your weakness, you'll be strong. My grace is sufficient. God never removed the sickness from Paul. We were all, we're not exempt from this sickness. We're not exempt from health issues. Come on, come on. But I love what G. Campbell Morgan said. He said this, so we may learn that he often permits us to pass into profounder darkness and deeper mysteries of pain in order that we may prove more perfectly his power. His power. That God will work in our weaknesses. It's in our weaknesses that we are made strong. And so this sickness has a purpose. But in the sickness of our friends and our family and those that's where our faith needs to be activated. It needs to be ignited. It needs to be in full on. And that, that, that faith is not blind faith. It's, it's not wishful faith, but a faith that we trust in Christ in all circumstances. So how do we activate this faith? What are, what are three things we can do here as we talk about activating our faith? Number one, here it is. Trust that Jesus has a plan. Trust that Jesus, that Jesus is in control. Right? We see that in 4 and 5. He says, when, G when Jesus heard that, he said, the sickness is not unto death, but to the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Guys, we're not exempt from the trials and tribulations we face, but God will always use them in some form of fashion to, to bring out his glory. Like, there... He talks about death here. He, there's, there's two deaths in the Bible the Bible speaks of. There's physical death. We, we, we have memorials, we have burials, there's physical. And then there can be spiritual death. 
But for the believer, there's only one death, the physical, but there's not the second death because we have life. And so death is not our final outcome in the faith. <laughs> it's life. And so Jesus gave an answer to the news he received. He said, Lazarus' sickness is not unto death. It's not unto death. Yes, we know that Lazarus is going to die in the story. He's going to die in the story. But I want you to catch this here this morning. You know when people are sick or dying, you pray for them. And oftentimes we pray for healing. God, would you take them out of this? I believe God always answers that prayer. He'll either answer healing on this side of heaven or he'll have healing on the other side of heaven. But that prayer is always answered. That's up to God what he chooses to do. Amen. But this sickness for Lazarus has a purpose. That the father and son will be glorified in this sickness in, in, the, in the battle, right? Remember, Jesus is going to the cross. He's getting ready through the miracle to show the power over death. And his resurrection will seal the death, will conquer death. And so the reason he's going to do this miracle is to show his power over death. And we need to believe that he defeated death because then we will defeat death. And we know that there is a, a process in our life unto salvation that happens. We have, we, there's a process of salvation and then sanctification, then glorification. God doesn't be glorified at his resurrection. You remember we was on the Mount of Transfiguration with Peter, James, and John, and Moses, Elijah were there. They saw a little bit of sneak preview into heaven in the glorified body. Those three disciples, they didn't even know what to do. They, didn't know what, they were like freaked out by Jesus' glorification. He said, I'm giving you a sneak preview of what's to come what you're going to look like in your glorified bodies. But I love this in John's writing, the Apostle John. Oftentimes you always hear about Mary and how she was humble and how she sat at the feet of Jesus and she honored Jesus. And everybody's always honoring Mary. And Martha, she gets the bad rap, right? She's the busyness. She's the, she's the one running around. She's the one saying, well, come on, Jesus, tell, Martha, tell Mary to help me. I'm cleaning the kitchen. I'm cooking the food. I'm doing all this stuff. And it seems like the, there's, you have Mary that's a bad kind of example. And you have, I mean, Martha's a bad example. You have Mary that's a good example. But I love this about Jesus. And in, in writing here, he, he says, I love Martha and her sister. Earlier says, Jesus loved Mary and Martha. But in this phrase, he says, I love Martha. And didn't even mention Mary's name, but his sisters. Why? Because I think God still loves us with the ADD, the workers, the busy body, all the struggles. People have a hard time sitting at the feet of Jesus and, and reading the Bible. They're the ones in the kitchen cleaning. They're the ones taking the house. They're the ones preparing the table. They're the ones doing that. And God says, I love you too. I love you too. Even though you struggle sitting in my word, even though you struggle, sitting at my feet. Man, I love you. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Right? God loves us. And remember, the testing of our fate is not a denial of his love. 
Here's the second thing about activating our faith. We have to trust in Jesus' timing. We have to trust in Jesus' timing. Look at verse 6. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Where he was. God's timing is everything. Jesus is very well aware of Lazarus' condition. It appears like that. And he waited. He stayed there two more days. He heard the news and he put a pause on his coming. He waited two days. I think of the story of Abraham in the book of Genesis, starting in Genesis 12 and his story, when God had promised that he was going to give him a son, like you have a son. But Mary's womb was dead. It was closed. She couldn't have any children. And time passed, and time passed, and they even got impatient. You know the story, right? So they, Hagar came in, and they, hey, let's get, we're going to help God. And so they had a child with Hagar, which just really disrupted the family. That was not God's plan. And that son grew to be like 13 years old when Sarah's finally womb opened up and she had a child. Why, why did God wait so long? Because he wanted to make sure that Sarah's womb was completely dead in order to understand the miracle. See, he waited two days to make sure that Lazarus was really dead so they could see the power of God through the miracle. See, there's reasons why we may be impatient, but God is not. He has the plan. He's sovereign. He sees the, the whole picture. See, God's gonna, God here in the story of Abraham opened a womb, right? But in the story, he's not going to open a womb. He's going to open up a tomb in the story. He's going to open up. And it says he stayed two days in the Jordan River doing ministry, right? Remember, he's in the Jordan River, and many are coming and believing. So he's about, okay, I know Lazarus is dead, but I'm going to take care of business here for two days. And many were believing, it says at the end of chapter 10. We, we looked at that in the story. We know from the Jordan River to Bethany was about 20 miles. So if you look at the timetable of the story, most people could walk about 10 miles a day. So it took two days for the messenger to get to Jesus. Then Jesus waited two days, and then he took two days to get to Bethany. So they would have been a total of six days. Total of six days. In fact, verse 17 says that Lazarus had been dead four days. That tells me by the time Jesus received the message, Lazarus had already, Lazarus was already dead. By the time he got the message. And then Jesus put a pause. God is working out the details. God is working out the details when we hear about the sick, right? He is. He needed to make sure everything was prime and ready for the great miracle. So we got to trust God's timing. The third thing here, guys, we got to trust the work of Jesus is not done. Look at 7 through 11. Then after this, he said to his disciples, let us go to Judea. That was the region where Bethany was, just outside of Jerusalem. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, lately the Jews sought to stone you. And are you going there again? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of the world. Who's the light of the world? Jesus. Yeah. 
But if one walks in the light, he, one walks in, uh, but if one walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. Interesting phrase. These things he said, and after that he said to them, our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. Mm. So what do we hear in the story? He, so he said, okay, now it's time to go to Bethany. Two days has passed. We got to head to, to Bethany, right? And what do we see? The disciples are concerned about that decision. They're concerned about going back to, and, and you know, they might be concerned about, you know, act like they're concerned about Jesus' safety because remember the end of chapter 10, they wanted to kill him in that region. And the aggression was growing. And the plants of killing were growing and all that was happening. They're like, whoa, whoa. Man, we were just in Jerusalem and they wanted to kill you. You want to go back to that region where they're going to want to stone you? But maybe they're more scared for themselves than we're scared for Jesus because they lost sight of the fact that Jesus escaped, right? Throughout the story, every time they came after him, Jesus escaped. He had an escape plan, come on, come on. right? Nobody could touch him. But their eyes were always on the physical and not the spiritual of the disciples. You'll see that in the story. Guys, sometimes we, we look in the physical, but we don't understand the spiritual and what God's doing. There is a spiritual realm that's out there, that God is working everything out. And he's saying, let's go to Judea. Let's, let's, let's go to the region of Bethany. And he, they started back to Jerusalem. And I think the disciples were a little scared. But you have to understand something. Jesus had an appointed time. Jesus had an appointed time. And he has a purpose until that appointed time. There was a time where he was going to die. There was a time where that was happened. But this is not the time. I'm reminded, guys, that we continue to do the work until our appointed time. Right? I think in the book of Revelation, it talks about the two witnesses that preached the gospel during the tribulation period and it was an appointed time and then they were killed. But they were faithful to their mission. They were killed. And if you've got to read the rest of the story, what happens to them? God resurrects them to heaven. Go, book, go, go study the book of Revelation. It talks about these two witnesses. Nobody could touch them until the appointed time. Come on, come on. Nobody can touch us until the appointed time. And so we see, we're going to go to Bethany because Jesus was concerned by the welfare of Lazarus and his friends. He says, he talks about, hey, it's time to go. There's, there's 12 hours in the day. He talks about a, a span of time and then nightfall. You know, in that day, they saw time in 12-hour periods, day and night, 12 day, 12 night. In the day, we go to do the work. In the night, we rest. But understand, I am the light in the day. But in the night, if you don't know me, you're in the dark. I'm about my father's business in the day. I got to take care of business in the day. Guys, we are in the age of grace from the, from the, from the, from the resurrection until his rapture, until we with Jesus. That's the age of grace. That's the time of grace. That's where the gospel is preached and we share with people. But there's going to be an appointed time where that ends. Come on, come on. And Jesus is about his business. And he says, you know, our friend Lazarus, we got to go take care of our friend Lazarus. I love that because Jesus came to serve in their time of need. Jesus will ever, later write in John chapter 15, I have not called you a servant, but a friend. 
Faith is activated when we serve those who are sick and dying and their families. God, how are you going to activate my faith in the time where people are sick? I got to trust you. I got to trust your time. I got to trust your work. I got to trust these things. How am I going to be available for my family and my friends in that time that God might just do the work? And that's what he does as we close this section. The third response is celebrating the faith of others in that time. Look at John 12 through 16. We're going to look at that. The work he's doing is to help people believe. I had a, uh, my nana, my grandmother, she died when she was 101 years old. You know, people say, take care of your health. She, that woman ate beans and rice, man. That Mexican woman just ate beans and rice. And she lived to be 101 years old. I'm on a diet right now. I'm watching my stuff. But sometimes I wonder, I want, to, I want, your, di I want your diet. No, no, 101, that's pretty good. <laughs> but in the latter part of the years, she was, I remember she was sick at this one spirit where she wasn't getting out of bed and she was laying down there. And, and my family doesn't, didn't know the Lord. They didn't know God. And, and I remember come visiting her and I was in the room. I said, Nana, like, how are you doing? I'm talking, oh, I've been a little down. I haven't been able to get out of bed. I'm not doing well. Da, da, da. And I said, Nana, do you mind if I just pray over you? She said, yeah, it'd be great. So I laid my hands on her. And I prayed over that God would just strengthen her and heal her and touch her and minister to her. And I said, in Jesus' name. And then I, I walked away. My dad had, and I had to go somewhere. And so I, I go up to the car and I'm getting in the car, waiting for my dad to come up. And then my dad comes up to the car and says, what the heck did you do with Nana? <laughs> I said, what are you talking about? She goes, she's in the kitchen cooking food. Why did God use that moment to do that work? Because I believe he did that in order for my family to believe. In order, God does these miracles in order for people to say, man, there's something legit about that's Jesus. There's something legit about the power of prayer. There's something legit about our serving. There's something legit about seeing God doing the work in the midst of all the sickness that's all around us. And so I love this. Even in that, Jesus is patient with the disciples when they're trying to understand the sick. He's teaching them about, guys, we got to celebrate the work, but you guys don't even understand what's happening here. <laughs> Look what it says in 12 and 15. Then his disciples said, Lord, if, if he sleeps, he will get well. However, Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought he was speaking about taking a rest and sleep. They didn't even grasp the concept about what was going on. Well, if he's sleeping... That's good, right? Because when you get sick, the first thing you want to do is don't eat and don't sleep. And then your body kind of heals itself. And then you're done. And then you wake up and you, you're, you're going to get up. They're not saying that this was a death issue. They're just saying that he was sleeping. That's how they interpreted the story. But yet Jesus clarifies the condition of Lazarus in 12 and 13 about what's going on. They were confused about what was happening. While they're talking and Jesus is dealing with this confusion, Mary and Martha are planning a memorial service. They're planning a funeral back in Bethany. In fact, they hire people that are grieving and they're coming and they're happy. I'm sure the people of the city are, are bringing them flowers and bringing them food and we're, we're sorry for the loss and all these things. The community's coming around them and these knuckleheads think, oh, you just give them a couple of days, they'll get better. That's what they're thinking in the story. In fact, the word sleep in the scriptures often refer to death. 
us to death, right? Often we think the memorial service and funerals are so solemn in practice. Do you notice that? When you go to uh, maybe a chapel at the cemetery and a church, people walk in really quiet, <laughs> right? Like it's, it's a solemn thing, right? But, we ought, but why? Because people often think death is the end of all things. But for the believer, it's just the beginning, right? See, for the believer, it's a celebration. It's a graduation. Our salvation is complete. And when our eyes are focused on this world, the love for this world, death is scary. But when we focus our eyes on Christ, who's the author and finisher of our faith, we are the victors. Psalm 116, 15 says, Presses in the side of the Lord is the death of the saints. You know what happens when we die? It gives more detail in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Go and read that. It'll tell you more details. But I'm break it down a little bit here. Do you know when we die, we're escorted by angels into heaven? Luke 16, 22 tells us that. Do you, do you know that we're going to paradise? Isn't that what he told the man on the cross? You'll be with me with paradise. He, he, in fact, the scripture says it, it's a blessed departure and a far better place in Philippians 1, 23. In fact, go, we're going to a place where there are many mansions in John 14, 2. And ultimately, absent for the body, we're present with the Lord. 2 Corinthians 5, 8. Do you see the celebration of death for the believer? It's a good thing. It's a good thing. And so what does Jesus do? He's ministering to disciples to give them hope. Jesus offered hope to disciples in 14 and 15. Then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Can you catch that? <laughs> you think he, what I'm saying is he's dead. And I'm glad for your sake that I was not there that you may believe Nevertheless, let us go to him. He says, let me just give you some bad news. My friend, my, my dear friend is dead, right? He has passed. I've received the information that he's sick, but he has passed. What do you do when you get that message? What do you do maybe if you walk into... The doctors, and they give you bad news of you have cancer. One of our dear friends, Brent and Amanda, and friend of our pastor, Jeff, who's a pastor of Lemon Grove Church over here, is battling cancer. He got that news. And we don't know if he's going to make it the next couple months. But in that time, he's been faithful serving Jesus. In that time. They're saying, well, if he's dead, disciples, why are we going to Bethany? You know what I mean? Like, hey, maybe we can get out of this thing, right? Maybe, I mean, hey, here's our door. Here's our exit. We don't have to go over there. Our lives won't be threatened, right? But here's the, that's the bad news. He's dead. Here's the good news. We said in 15, right? Jesus said, I'm glad I wasn't in Bethany. How can God be glad that he wasn't in Bethany when his friend died? You know, that's pretty morbid. Wait a minute. You know, like, homie, why weren't you there? You know, like, Hey, my friend, why aren't you here? I just waited two days. Right? How can you be glad when you lose a friend? He said, I'm glad because if I would have been there, I probably would have healed Lazarus in the sickness. But that was not my purpose. That's not my ultimate purpose. In fact, it says he is glad in the passage. That word can be translated, I rejoice. I rejoice that I wasn't there. Whoa, that makes it even worse. 
You know what I mean? Like, I was like, yeah, I'm glad I'm not there. People look at you and say, you're sick. I don't, you know, why? Because Jesus knew the future. He knew the finish, right? He knew how the movie ends because he wrote the scripts. He's glad because Lazarus' death and resurrection will be for the glory of God and will validate Jesus' authenticity as the son of God. And the purpose of the resurrection of Lazarus was to bring about faith in his disciples. That's what it says, that your faith would grow. To build your faith. To build the faith of Mary and Martha and all those who were connected to this family. It probably was a whole community of people that are going to watch this to build their faith. Let us go to awaken the faith of others. Let us go to see what God does. What a great opportunity to minister to those who are grieving and sharing to bring the hope of Christ. Let's do it while it's still day. Let's do it while we have 12 hours. That's what we're doing in the midst of grief and loss. And then you have Thomas. Thomas, right? Thomas, courageous faith is acknowledged and celebrated. Look at 16 as it close. Then Thomas, who is called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us all, let us all, let's just, just, just go, that we may just die with him. <laughs> Come on now, really? Man, we, we got to do this, let's just go do it. Right? You know, I, I think about this. Thomas is urging the other disciples, hey, are you committed to this thing, man, or not? Right? Are you ready to lay down your life, or are you not? While the others are saying, don't go, Thomas is saying, let's go. In fact, the Hebrew word for Thomas is the word twin. That's why it's called Didymus or the twin. Thomas the twin. Some believe that Thomas actually looked like Jesus and that's why he got that name twin. But we know that Thomas gets a bad rap, right? Because later in the story, what happens? That Jesus appears to the disciples, but Thomas is not there. And they see the resurrection. And then the disciples tell, they see Thomas later and they tell Thomas, hey man, we've seen Jesus He's resurrected. And Thomas is like, I'm going to believe until I touch his wounds. And then a week later, Jesus appears and John touches his wounds. Be careful what you ask for too. Hey, I won't believe until da-da-da-da-da. Jesus will meet that. And then your challenge, are you going to believe? And so he's sitting there and he touches his wounds. He says, my Lord and my God. Oh, wretched man, oh, my Lord and my God. But here we see the courage of Thomas. Now, Maybe Thomas wasn't with the disciples because maybe he was grieving. We don't know. It doesn't say why he wasn't with the disciples. Maybe he was just grieving the loss of a man he served and, and knew. Maybe he, was, maybe he was like, maybe he's like, hey, man, I'm out on the street just ministering to people because people saw loss too. But in this story, maybe Thomas lacked faith, but he didn't lack courage. He had courage here to say, Let's go, man. Let's go back to Judea. Let's go back to Bethlehem. Let's go back to Jerusalem. If we got to go on the fire, if this is how it's going to go down, this is how it's going to go down. But he was ready to say, let's go. I love this. He may have been weak in faith and strong in courage. Paul would later write that it's in our weakness he makes us strong. I talked about that earlier. Hmm. 
I leave you with these three thoughts as we close this morning or partake of communion. How do we respond to bad news? What is our response to bad news? First, guys, upon receiving the new bad news, we pray. We start with prayer. We ask God what he wants to do in the situation. Upon receiving bad news, the second thing, we activate our faith of service. God, what do you want me to do after I hear the response? What do you want me to do in, the, in this bad news? And third, upon receiving bad news, we celebrate the work of God in the midst of the pain. God, you're still doing something in the midst of the loss and the sickness and all that. Amen? Amen. Father, heavenly, thank you, Lord, for this morning. We thank you for your goodness and mercy and grace, Lord, as we've looked at your word this morning. Father, I pray it's spoken to our heart that I know each of us in this room probably have some of you know that is sick or going through it, whether it's cancer or whether it's diabetes, whether it's mental health, whatever it is, Lord, how would we as a community love our neighbors and love in a way that cares for people so radically that we could pray for them and be available for them and know that you're doing a work in the midst of all the pain and sickness, even in our world, the pain and sickness that people go through. How does the church be the light in the 12 hours? Well, I just pray your empowerment. I pray your Holy Spirit upon your church this morning that you would empower them to activate their faith in their own neighborhoods, in their own homes, in their own businesses, in their own workplace, that they're the catalyst by the vessels by which you're going to use to care for people that are hurting and sick and lost because ultimately we're all sick because we all fall short of the glory of God. And our sickness is sin, but your cure is the resurrection. This is the gospel that you make us well. And so we thank you, we praise you, and we honor you in Jesus' name. And everybody say, Thanks again for joining us. Contact us or learn more at our website, newvision.city. See you next time.